Captain. While a great many people see you as a hero, there are some who'd prefer the word vigilante. You've operated with unlimited power and no supervision. That's something the world can no longer tolerate. Okay, thoughts and feelings, take one. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about our thoughts and feelings. How are you feeling today? I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And uh, and we may have uh, a little bit of a special guest here chiming in a little bit on this little movie uh, that just came out this week. Uh, Civil War! We're going to talk about Civil War. Well, no, no, no S. Um, actually, no. I'm just going to say no shit. Um... <laughs> Welcome it's to Jack's podcast. Welcome he can say what he wants. It's also your podcast, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, but here, my wife Corey saw the movie with us. So hello, everyone. Yeah, so she might uh, chime in every now and again with uh, maybe some of her thoughts on the movie. And boy, what a what a five and a half pound burger of a movie! It, oh man, <laughs> is that a good description? I know we didn't really say anything to one another after leaving. No, we been, Jack and I have been quarantined from each other, getting from the movie theater to the house to talk about this. And now that you know we can spill everything, I gotta say, the Russo brothers just hit it out of the park. They, I, I was not expecting it to be that outstanding. I, I really, why not? I don't know. I, I was hoping for it to be really good. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, you didn't expect that. Why? I think I was a little bit trepidatious only because I was a little worried about, A, too many characters, which can sometimes muddy up a narrative. Um, you know, if you're having uh, a villain that you don't really know much about, like, what is he going to do? Uh, I mean, I didn't even know who the villain was of this Me movie. Either. I thought, like, okay, they're just going to fight over, you know, we need to sign. No, we cannot sign. No, um, we must fight. Um, I mean, we'll get into a little bit of particulars with the story, and then later on, maybe we can even get into spoilers. Sure. But um, generally speaking, yeah, I think this might be, I don't know how you feel in terms of ranking uh, at this point, even though we just saw this literally like half an hour ago, this might be the best one. It's certainly one of the best. And there are so many characters, you know, you had a right to be concerned about that, but... It is not a problem at all. No, if anything, the Russo brothers get something right that a lot of other filmmakers sometimes get wrong, which is having a lot of characters and thinking that that will do enough when you really, A, you know, give your characters all really good moments to shine, and B, make sure that they're integrated into the narrative. Make sure that you know what their motivations are. Yeah. And give them motivations. I'm looking at you, Wonder Woman from Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I thought about Batman Superman a lot. Oh, I did too. Movie. I I also thought I'm about crazy I also thought that. about another movie going back 10 years ago. And I was telling Corey this in the car. I thought about X-Men Last Stand. Do I you have seen did, part of I have seen most of X-Men. You never Last saw Stand. the whole thing? I probably haven't seen the beginning. Okay, but I've, well, I've seen most of it. Cuz in that movie, you have a, a similar setup to what happens in Civil War. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen the movie yet and you know, want to go in relatively spoiler-free, just a very quick rundown of the plot. This is following up from Winter Soldier, the the last Captain America movie, and Avengers, where you have... Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, thank you. And Ant-Man, technically, if you want yeah, to be crazy. Yeah, well, a little bit. Um, a little bit. Actually, Corey, you, you had to catch up uh, in order to see this. What movies did you have to see? Like, yeah. what hadn't you seen uh 
I did not see Winter Soldier until Thursday, and we saw this movie today. For any of you who, like me, maybe I really didn't like the first Captain America movie, and so I didn't see the second one. That's just because you're not an American. (laughs) I would say... Captain America 2 is a much better film than Captain America 1. I would also say, I think you really need to see Winter Soldier to appreciate this film. That's a great point. I really think that thematically and emotionally, you need Winter Soldier. Well, and speaking of emotionally... Okay, (laughs) I cried a little bit at the end of this film. Well, to be fair, you are made of mush, so (laughs) the mush pot part of you is part of your whole package. I cry, (laughs) I cry at virtually everything. I cried a little bit at the end of this film, just because it is so intense, and because this movie, this sounds really cliched, but this movie takes you on such... A comprehensive intellectual and emotional journey. It is so overstuffed in the best way possible. Okay. With like, intellectual like, like, like and emotional like stimulation. Sub. Okay. Now, before we go any further, let me just, for the audience again, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, so just to catch you up really fast. So, all right. This movie, you start off with, uh, there's basically this whole type of thing that you get in one of these movies where Captain America, the Scarlet Witch, uh, all the, the Falcon, Aven- yeah, all no, the Avengers, they're together. A and number of goes the Avengers, not, on not, one of their not jobs. all, not all of them, but some of them. They're they're tracking down some people, and inadvertently, in order to stop a bomb from going off, a bomb is, you know, thrown up in the air, and it still ends up killing people in a building. Yeah, people die, and then everyone's like, "Oh, we need the the Avengers to have some accountability and stuff." Yeah, I and, mean, yeah. Uh, the, so what happens is there's this whole, um, what they call the like slow. Thank you. No, that's a pretty good <laughs> summary. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, it's building upon the past movies. So, you know, there's literally a moment where General Ross, who uh, first uh, time the Secretary I've, of State. Yeah. By the way, the first time we've seen him since like Incredible Hulk. The, I think these are two different characters, really. <laughs> William Hurt signed on and like, oh no, no, you're playing a totally different character. Yeah, now. but I mean, nobody remembers him. But from Incredible you know, Hulk. everyone's like the Avengers are working without. Without jurisdiction and authority, so we need them to sign these accords that say the UN will control them and tell them where to go. But meanwhile, you have Captain America who's trying to cap, uh, track down his friend Bucky, who is the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and meanwhile, uh, Tony Stark is very much in favor of the accords, in large part because you know he's still he's legitimately haunted by a lot of people who have died. I mean, this granted, this is repeating a little bit of. You know, in Iron Man 3, he was troubled because of what happened in New York in the first Avengers movie. In Iron movie. Man 2, he was troubled because of what his dad did to Whiplash. He's dad. a very troubled Tony person. Tony Stark is troubled. Yeah, yeah Tony he... Stark is very haunted, whereas one thing I would say, by the way, before we go any further, one thing I noticed is, like, Captain America, I sometimes kind of wonder, okay, you you say I'm take, I feel responsible for this, I take responsibility doing it. How do you mean? Well, I mean, just, you know, how... I mean, he could. I mean, he'll say it, and you believe him. But I almost don't. I don't see it the same way I've seen it on, like Tony Stark in all these movies. Like he looks like Tony Stark in this movie looks like under through a lot of his quips and all the stuff. He looks in like pain. Captain America is relentlessly self confident. He's righteous. He never wavers in his mission. And what, of the many, many, many things this movie did amazingly, and it's a spectacular film, is 
it freed Captain America from his prison of blandness. <laughs> well, I mean, we've talked about this yeah, before. I mean, like, Captain America in Winter Soldier, it what impressed me so much, and then this extends into the Avengers movies in here, he, he is best when you see him in relation to other characters, when his ideology is put into challenge or question by other characters things going on around Captain him. America has to work inside of a wider world. Exactly. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's a guy from like the 40s who fought in World War II and yet he still has to kind of rationalize, okay, not just the what but the why of what I'm doing. And of course for him everything goes back to well, Bucky was compromised by Hydra. So, yeah. You know, how you know, he's not really responsible for it. I want to try to protect him to make sure that he's not, you know, uh killed or damaged. But of course, you know, Bucky, aka the Winter Soldier. What what a nice name for a, a super assassin, it's by a the cool way. Name. Bucky. You gotta say. It's like if you're like a it's like if one of the characters in uh, Kill Bill in the Assassination Squad was named like Fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the name of a cartoon dog. Yeah, it's the name of like ru- ru- rugby rusty or something. Yeah. Rusty, I, but, we have to get Corey, you out of this building. But, but Corey's right. Captain America's character, he, he's extremely self-confident. And even when he messes up, he's able to look at himself and say, okay, I screwed up. I understand what happened. No, no, I take does. responsibility for that. Meanwhile, Tony Stark, he's completely different. Whereas he, he doesn't really, I don't think, trust himself too much. Well, he, you know, he, he's, you know, he, you also have to remember where he comes from. He was a weapons manufacturer, who realized, oh, my weapons have been taken into the wrong hands. I mean, that was the very first Iron Man movie, and he's been kind of repeating that sort of cycle ever since. Yeah. And you see, what I love in this movie is that you see where every character is coming from, and it's very complex in that you really don't know who to side on. You think, okay, what some of what Tony's making sense, but at the same time... Tony is like your best friend. Tony the Tiger. Um, what, I, what Tony Stark is saying makes sense in that, okay, we do need some... If we don't have any type of oversight, you know, what could happen if something really goes wrong? But then you see also where Steve Rogers is coming from in that, well, uh, w- what if they hold us back in a moment where there's something really bad happening and... You know, at that moment, we can't really be answerable, even if it's to something like a United Nations Council. Yeah, I I loved how complex and nuanced the issues were, because on the one hand, I could see the problems inherent in having unchecked superheroes and unchecked supervillains, yet the U- I personally think the UN is a pretty ineffectual institution. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that, too, when they said, like, oh, we're going to let the U.N. decide. I'm like, the U.N.? When is the U.N. made any The any U.N. doesn't do decision? anything. And if you place the Avengers under the sovereignty of one particular nation, that also raises problems. Yeah, right. I mean, the idea so. is that Captain America says, okay, we do have our, we have to live with our conscience. We do have to still answer to that. But, you know... You know, we of course we have to answer the public, but you know how much you know what kind of what does limitations even mean? I love that there's actually one moment though you notice where he's talking with Stark, and he almost comes to a moment where he inches towards almost signing it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? He says, if I, if I go with this, there needs to be safety precautions. Yeah. And then, of course, it doesn't happen because they end up but, fighting. But they have a conversation, like real people. Yeah. Which that is was what the... a lot of movies, even non-superhero movies, just don't get right. Yeah, and you never... And that, was, not, the, and that was the problem with Batman versus Superman. They never have a goddamn conversation. They immediately jump into... You know what their conversation was? Do you bleed? Yeah, basically. <laughs> next time, next time your signal goes up, don't go to it. Do yeah. you bleed? You will. I fight. And then like, <laughs> yeah, that was basically the extent of their conversation. In this movie, you know, I actually it's kind of funny. Just as an aside, I, I don't know if you two noticed this, but. Somebody at one point fell asleep yeah. during the movie. Now, maybe that person was just really tired and coming to see this movie. Um, I mean, I will say, you know, for those of you who go in thinking, oh, it's going to be action nonstop. No, the first half, there is a good deal of talking, but that stuff needs to happen. But it's you, broken up by some really good action. There are some spectacular there's an, there's action. An, there's an action scene towards the like the... the the at the beginning of like the, the second third of the movie where yeah. it's a chase scene. And there were some scenes during that chase that really just caught me by surprise. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because the uh, the first uh, when I saw Winter Soldier, a, a complaint I had it wasn't very big because I still like the movie a lot was that some of the action was cut together so quickly that it wasn't as big a problem as certain other movies. But I sometimes couldn't see what was happening here. It I, it was really exciting because I could tell what was happening. The way it was shot, this is just a technical thing. It almost looked like the action moved faster than the actual dialogue. Does that make sense? I don't like. It almost has like such a high-powered energy. It's like the what? actors fight each other, and the action happens even faster in motion. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, the thing I noticed most with the action scenes, though, is that there was a lot of shaky cam. A little bit. Yeah, that, sometimes that can be a problem. But that that kind of diminished as the film went on. <laughs> All right. I, so let's let's talk about the villain, though. Well, we can't talk too much. Not about not the too much yet. All right. It's a spoiler territory. All right. So so the point is, though, if you're, I mean, I'm trying to think what else we could talk about as far as not getting into spoilers well, with the let movie. Let me ask Corey, since you're here, Corey. Uh -huh. Yeah, because you're here, you, wife. You are. <laughs> you are the one who teared up. And I, you talked about how uh, uh, like an intense emotional experience it was. So I mean, can you elaborate on that? Because yes. with would would it would it be getting into spoilers? Well, I'll try to be spoiler free. But one thing I said in the car to you, Jack, on the way home is. A movie like this has to be earned through painstakingly creating a detailed universe. Yes. So I feel like this movie could have only been as great as it was because it followed at the end of many other Marvel movies that established these characters, established their relationships. The reason why I was so emotionally overwhelmed by this film was because I felt like the moral issues that the characters were grappling with were so important, and I was so invested in how they grappled with these problems. I thought they were... I thought the movie dealt with a lot of important issues on a kind of macro level, meaning it dealt with, I think, issues about, you know... Yeah, things like, uh, you know, power and, you know, how... Yeah. Responsibility. Yes. 
Um, and how with Quake. accountability? Yeah, how to wield power <laughs> responsibly? There, how <laughs> how to fit these crazy superhero powers into a regular world yeah, that yeah. has borders That's and has territories and has so the tension between the crazy drama of superhero world and the drama of real life yeah. world with real life political institutions so on the one hand at an intellectual and theoretical level, I found it pretty sophisticated, and I was very, very engrossed with some of the themes they were exploring. I was also, because the movie, not only this movie, but most of the other movies in the Marvel Universe have done such a good job in terms of building goodwill and building character, yeah. I was really moved by how these individual characters grappled with these issues. And yeah, even the small characters, too. Exactly. I mean, you know, the Vision has something to say here. The Vision, a guy who showed up for, like, ten minutes in the last Avengers movie, is a powerful character here. Like, he actually has, like, some... Some some conflict and things to deal with and, in the story. Yeah, and he has a yeah he has a Him, reason to be there. Yeah, he and it's like he and Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Scarlet Witch, they have like maybe just a, they have a couple of scenes together, and yet immediately you know where they're coming from, you know why they both feel the way they do, you know that as Corey said that there's a real world application for this. I mean, yeah, there's an element to how a lot of the things work about as far as how characters have some of these powers, have they have this technology that it's very heightened, but it doesn't ignore the fact that, you know, people die in the real world. And when yeah. a lot of people die, even just one person, like you have that one guy, that, that one, you know, that, that what sets up a lot of the stakes is just that one moment in a hallway where Tony Stark runs into some kid's mother, you know, and she lost her son and that's not played for any kind of cheap emotion. That's just, ugh. Yeah, and that theme carries through that film all the way to the end. Yes. In a very big way. Yeah, and in ways that, you know, we'll get into that in spoilers, but I was very impressed, too, on a story level, how they set things up without making it seem like setup, which is a very tricky thing to do sometimes nuance. in movie screenwriting. Yeah, nuance, but also just... Doing something that seems like okay, well that 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 was that was an interesting beat, and then like a hundred minutes later, you see, oh, oh yeah, yeah. there are <laughs> several amazing plant and payoffs in this film. That without saying too much, Robert Downey Jr. I don't know how you feel about this, Andrew. This might be the best he's been as Iron Man, or or at least it culminates as far as. A lot of his emotional I agree on stakes. that, because I don't think this film explores a lot of aspects of the character of Tony Stark that we haven't seen in other films. No, no, well, we've seen it, we, but it, but it's brought to the forefront. It's explored in this film a lot more completely than it was in the other films. I mean, everything we've had before with, you know, the last three films has been, you know, Tony Stark, and I'll say with, something cool and funny, and I'll be rich, <laughs> and, and then I'll, I'll invent something cool, and, and that's great. Like, but, yeah. you know, we've gotten past that now, and we've gone, and we haven't stayed where we are, we've gone even deeper. Yeah. yeah. The personal stakes in this film were so high, the, I, every character here is really grappling with fundamental issues. They're really grappling with, who am I? 
Yes. What is my place in the world? Yeah. What is my relationship to everyone else? You have people wrestling with the very core values of who they are as people and how they interact with the world. Yeah. Including uh, Black Panther, actually. Yeah, 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 him too. Who, you know, we haven't even seen him before. Black Panther, by the way, is a uh, is an African... Uh, a black man. A, <laughs> yes, he's very black. He's not actually a panther. <laughs> Uh, he and he's got a cool beard. Yeah, not bad. And Chadwick Boseman, who I, I um, give that beard four out of five beards. <laughs> yeah, even he, who's a new introduction to this movie, in even he feels really nuanced, and he re- and he goes on a real personal journey. And yeah. I, I cannot believe that in the space of what well, this movie's like two hours and twenty minutes long. Yeah, like two and a half hours. I yeah. can't believe that in two and a half hours they took so many characters on really complex personal journeys. And yeah, not, it and not seems a, like yeah. a miracle. And not uh, and not at me. the and not at the and and not at for the sake of the plot either. Like it's still a well plotted movie that you can follow along as far as how the progression of the characters go and how what Captain America does here and then Bucky does here and how they interact and everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know at this point. Uh, so in short, at this moment, let me just say, go see this movie. If you've seen the other Marvel movies, I mean, you're probably going to go anyway, but um, even if you've only seen a handful of them, well, obviously see the important ones. If you've, you know, for, forget <laughs> Look, about, forget about, the forget about the dark world. <laughs> If you've only seen The Dark World, then I don't know what you're doing Forget about The Incredible Hulk while you're at it. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Thor and... In short, the the Thor and the Hulk are not in this movie. But everyone else is. It's it's weird that Captain America had one of the weakest... Uh, weakest entries in in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. But then he's provided... Not only has he been a great character in the Avengers movies, but that that his stand... I I don't even know if you can call them standalone movies anymore. Because they they keep putting things in there. But his movies have become some of the best in the entire franchise. Yeah. No, him and the Avengers and him, uh, you know, fighting the U.S. government in his way in Winter Soldier, you know, you have to... You know, a lot of what makes a hero really heroic is seeing the stakes that they're up against. Yeah. And, you know, Captain America is tested many times over in his present day state. And, you know, he there's a part of you. There's a part of me that when I watch him, I, I, he's so admirable because he sticks so much to his guns and his convictions. He sticks to his he sticks and, to his guns and he sticks out from everybody else. And yet there's also a part of me that sometimes thinks, man, you're sticking your guns so much. Like, I get when Tony says, I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. <laughs> yeah. You know where he's coming from, too, because it's like. Man, stop being such a Boy Scout every Would second. Would you say his mix of idealism and arrogance is a metaphor for America itself? Boom. <laughs> uh, for 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 anyone listening, just what as a, a just, just 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 as a little note, side note. I mean, the Corey that you're hearing here, Corey is a PhD in political science, so she obviously has those things in her mind. When as that is that as is, my, I gotta say, no lie, that is that is pretty awesome. That was a pretty good statement. You were like, that was like in Toy Story three. In that, I haven't seen you, Toy Story three. God damn it! What's no. wrong with you? What's oh. wrong with you, Andrew? What American are you? No, but uh, Corey, Wait a minute. You that moment seen the Magnificent Seven. 
I actually took it out from the library. Oh, damn it. So, so I will watch it very soon. Oh, now I have to go see Toy Story 3. Yeah. Um, no, but Corey, that one moment where Barbie is telling off uh, the big bear. Do you yeah. remember that? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> she's like, don't you know that you're... Uh, I, I forget the whole speech, but she don't uses... Don't you know, she basically, bird, she, she, she speaks in a paragraph like you just did. <laughs> All right. So in short, let's go see this movie. It's awesome. Would you say go see this movie? Oh, bring women to see the movie. They'll cry. Yes, and Corey <laughs> says to see the movie. This movie's amazing, and I, and I think, oh, there's so many. I could rave about this movie all day, but it's super pleasing as popcorn spectacle, if huh. that's all you're interested in. But if you're, so it's super entertaining on a kind of superficial level. But if you're the type of person that actually likes to think and feel about the movies you watch. Because I started this when we were doing the mic warm-up by saying I have so many thoughts and feelings yeah. about this film. <laughs> yeah. And in general. I but... only have feelings about this film. Jack has the thoughts. But... I have feelings too. No, just thoughts. Oh. This movie is actually pretty deep. If yeah. you think about it. It has a lot more going on than you first expect. And it goes in way it goes in areas that you don't really expect at all, which uh, I think at this point, if it's all right, I think we can get into spoilers a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Corey, you going to stick around or? Uh, yeah. If someone dies on your watch, you don't give up. Who said we're giving up? We are for not taking responsibility for our actions. This document just shifts the blame. I'm sorry, Steve, that, that is dangerously arrogant. This is the United Nations we're talking about. It's not the World Security Council. It's not S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not Hydra. No, but it's run by people with agendas, and agendas change. That's good. That's why I'm here. When I realized what my weapons were capable of in the wrong hands, I shut it down, stopped manufacturing. Tony, you chose to do that. If we sign this, we surrender our right to choose. What if this panel sends us somewhere we don't think we should go? What if there's somewhere we need to go, and they don't let us? We may not be perfect, but the safest hands are still our own. If we don't do this now, it's going to be done to us later. Yeah, why not? All, all right, right, all right. Stick around. So, so, I mean, now, some of the things that happen now, in terms of spoilers, the one, th I mean, okay, so the villain of this movie, let's get into him a little bit. He's this character who I think Zemo. In, the, in the comics, is he it, called like Baron Zemo? Yeah, in the comics, he's Baron Zemo, but they basically just taken a villain, took his name, and put it on somebody else. Well, at I was going to say, they kind of did. Which is kind of better than just making it some random schmuck. Well, that's what I think they did with Guy Pierce in Iron Man 3, I think, because I think Killian they, was they a different character. They do this character. frequently with a lot of Marvel villains. It's like. Well, they're, uh, they're, well there's so much material. When you have a standalone movie and you don't have a big villain like Loki or Ultron or, or somebody like that, you, base, uh, you basically just take a, a random name that we've had fr sitting around and like, okay, let's give this villain a name. All right, he's going to be the guy who's crossbones, or this guy's going to be uh, Malekith the Accursed, or, or, <laughs> or Ronan the Accuser, or something like it, that. It's kind and, of like... And then it, they're just throwaway villains. We just we just we pull out somebody's name, and then we just put it on that one character. You know what you just made me think of, just as a brief aside? When we were, ta we were talking earlier today about the, the Kevin Smith story about him writing Superman Lives. Right. And, uh, you know, John, the producer, John Peters, told him to, uh, you know, put a giant spider in the movie, right. even though there was no purpose to have a giant spider in the Superman movie. <laughs> but Kevin Smith got around it by calling it a, uh, a, a Targaryen snare beast. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but you see, it adds a bit of legitimacy. Yeah. So the point is, though, so Daniel Bruhl, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Frederick Zoller from Inglorious Bastards. Hey. I don't know if you rec- Did you recognize him? No. Yeah, well, that was him. Is he European in real life? Because every movie I see him in, yes. he's not, he plays a European He person. is from the continent of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> continent of Europe, population 5 million. Why even bother discerning nationality? We'll just call them European from now. Yeah, but anyway, he's the villain of this movie, but he... I'm not no. So Andrew, you and I have talked in the past about villains, right? And talked about motivations. I feel like this is one of the best Marvel villains. He is pretty good. You you wouldn't say one of the best. Well, now I would say that like now is he like Loki level awesome? Maybe not. But I really liked his. He had much better motivations and very intense plans of executions than I expected. All right, his plan makes sense, and his motivations make sense. All right. Uh, it's just when you see him, I think, he doesn't look too impressive. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. He's all European, well, so, you know, already he's two-thirds of the way there. But you see, though, <laughs> that's, like, but in a way, I kind of like that, because, you know, you have a lot of these other villains in these movies, you know, uh, um, Killian, or Killian x Men, Aldrich. Aldrich Killian, Killian and then... Uh, um, I mean, Ultron is a freaking robot. Uh, yeah. You have, I, like, all these grandiose villains in these movies. The villain in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was this meant to be this big, spectacular dude, even, even though he though wasn't. He, he was kind of underwhelming. This is, just, uh, this, this, guy, is just, this is just a guy. He is just basically a guy. No superpowers, no, and yet no he technology. Ta- and yet he tears apart the Avengers yeah. with, from within. Yeah. <laughs> and by doing that, and, you know, he, and he hits them basically... Where it hurts by, you know, I mean, at first, I mean, the thing is this, one of the things that impressed me with this movie, it really, I didn't know where it was going initially. Cause I really did think, cause basically in this movie, you think that his plot, um, like there, uh, Bucky reveals that there were other winter soldiers being made. Right. And he, uh, yeah, you, at first you think he's going to reactivate all of these, Winter soldiers that yeah, but they have end, been frozen. Yeah, but they end up being just red herrings. Yeah, I mean, but, was, I, but I bought into it, though. I thought that was the plot, which, you know, is really not bad. I, I understood it as to be, like, the main driving force. It's like, it can't just be... The movie can't just be Stark and Captain America fighting against each other. Because that can only hold up for so long before one of them should realize what's going on. There had to be some other thing behind that. It's, it's this as, time. This time it's not, we have to save Martha. <laughs> no, but oh, man, you know, if only you had seen Batman versus Superman, you would you would be you you'd would be have, frothing. You, you would mouth. have so much more to say about this. I am so glad I did not see Batman versus Superman. You might see it one day when you're grading or something. But but with the thing about that though is, so you have this big brawl at this airport. It's oh it's, man, you know, and this one is one of the best things I've seen in months and years. The the entire fight. Where all the Avengers are fighting against each other is like the. F- it see, it feels like it's the fulfillment of this entire movie cycle to me. Yeah, it, it feels like the thing about this movie is after this, where do they go? Oh. What if they like they almost might have shot themselves in a foot in a subtle way because that, it's like how do they? What else do they explore about these characters? Well, I mean, we we got a big thing coming up. I mean, it, it's insane now, but. They're making a wise move by making a Doctor Strange movie because they know that they need to give audiences a rest. 
So let's give them this. Let's give. Yeah. Let's give them this eccentric other character that is more of like a B level character that maybe not a lot of people know about. But here we get more into magic. But the point is, you know what the other great thing about Doctor Strange though is, it expands that universe. Like Guardians of the Galaxy took took the uh, took the Marvel universe into space and did all that. And now we have stuff. magic and kung fu. Yes, magic kung fu. Now we get like the Matrix, uh, where we get all those. Uh... Oh, I, I don't think that's a ringing endorsement. <sighs> no. Okay, but the point of what I was getting at though is, so that whole fight, the airport's happening, and in my mind, I'm thinking this fight is really awesome. You're spending time not going after the guy who's gonna reactivate the soldiers who will kill every, all the people who run countries. Yeah. So I thought that was really powerful, and yet. Again, this is a credit to the writers and the directors. It the story then went in a whole other direction that I wasn't expecting. Oh, the twist. and was much more powerful. Like oh, yeah. uh, so, another a couple of characters the, to mention. I, the, I'm sorry. Let's let's talk about the characters then. So, Spider Man. Spider Man. He's he does what a friendly neighborhood spider can. <laughs> oh man, I <sighs> did the, you know they that... had, they flashed to Queens in in at a certain time. And I'm like, wait, where is this going now? And oh, I, I knew exactly where it was going. But I didn't know for a few seconds. And then until, like, maybe about a minute in, I'm like, it, all of a sudden it came into my brain. I'm like, oh, my God, he's Spider-Man. Did you, <laughs> did you know? He knew he, knew he was going to be I knew he was going to be in the movie, but I for, totally forgot because everything else was working out so well. I, you know what I liked? What I liked was that they took their time with it. Like, you know, again, I brought up X-Men The Last Stand. That was a movie where... That had the problem of too many characters, and you had this emotional plot and arc involving Jean Grey and her own struggle over those three movies. And yet, you know, when by the time it gets to the, like the X Men mutant brawl, it's just kind of like a lot of noise and nonsense. And it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't really as focused as it could have been. It really it's almost I feel like movie. the people behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe saw Last Stand and thought. We could do that. We could do it much better. Well, they certainly did. I have to eat crow on this one a little bit because I thought the introduction of Spider-Man into this universe was a terrible idea beforehand. Why? Because... Well, you're kind of tired of Spider-Man. I'm really tired of Spider-Man, frankly. I think all three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies are really good. Yes, I think Spider-Man 3 is a really good movie. Oh. Deal Preach! with it. It's you not do. a perfect movie, yeah, but it's a really good movie. And amen, we need to make like when, a Spider-Man three. When podcast. they rebooted it with <laughs> Andrew too. Garfield and Emma Stone, I watched the one movie at home, or I should say, I had it on in the background when I was working, and I thought it was meh. And the concept of rebooting this character again. I thought it was horrible. I spent time ranting about how this is stupid, this is unnecessary, <laughs> this is a cash grab. See, I hate everything have, about this idea. You should have profited by your ranting by having a podcast. <laughs> I ranted so much about it. And Spider-Man in this movie is charming as hell. Yeah. Oh, he is He's adorable. Actor Tom Holland, I think is his name. Yeah. And yeah, he and is, he really just seems like a kid. You know what he is? He felt more like the Spider-Man from uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, the the cartoon. Yeah, series. you saw some of that. I've seen a lot of that. That's a really good series. Yeah, and I feel like that was, you know, you just when you think, you know, because yeah, Tobey Maguire, he he could make a lot of wisecracks, but I felt this one, 
even though he's making a lot of, a lot of wisecracks and he's making a lot of quips, one of which I really loved because it was meta and yet it pays off where he makes an Empire Strikes Back joke <laughs> and they reference it with a ju- Ant-Man becomes huge and they uh, take him down the same way they take down an Imperial Walker, which nice. is glorious. And yet the movie lives up to being Empire Strikes Back level great. But you need that character in that brawl because there's a lot of other heavy dramatic emotions going on with the characters. Yeah, yeah you make Paul, a good point. Paul Rudd is making a lot is making some quips. But not too many other people are. You have a lot of very serious people. You don't expect Black Panther to make like, No, Black jokes. Panther's not going to make the jokes. Captain America's not making no, jokes. No, Tony I mean, Stark might make a couple of but he's jokes. In, but he's in serious mode at this point. So you need Rudd to come in, and then you need Spider-Man to come in. I, Rudd is Ant-Man, what am I saying? Yeah. Uh, and then they really lighten it up. They lighten, they, they lighten add, it up. They add humor to... A really awesome action. There's scene. this one moment where they even he he keeps you know Spider-Man makes a clip and I forget who it was. It wasn't I think I don't know if it was Black Panther or if it was uh, Falcon or one of those people. But they're like at this point you should stop talking <laughs> or something like that. Oh yeah yeah he's like why he's talking so much oh, and that's and yet <laughs> I think that it also works though because character wise it makes sense. You know, because, all right, yeah, we know that Spider-Man makes a lot of quips in the comics, but at least in this movie, if you're just taking this movie by itself, here you get this kid from Queens who, you know, he's been doing some crime fighting in New York City here and there, uh, but this is his first time in a giant superhero brawl. With other superheroes. Yeah, and he's like he's genuinely impressed with other superheroes. He's like, wow, Captain America! I'm like, oh wow, Ant-Man! It's like, wow, all these people here. Actually, Ant-Man, I don't know who you are. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but he's... You have like somebody who is awesome as a superhero who's a fan of the other superheroes. Yeah, that is a really good point. He is almost like... He's almost like a, how an audience member would feel if he was in that Yeah, position. in that mo in that in that battle Spider-Man is the audience. Nice. Yeah, because everyone gets for the win. <laughs> yeah. I mean actually I noticed the number of people in our audience clapped when Black Panther showed up. Oh yeah. He makes a great entrance too. I mean, you you see him when he's not Black Panther, but then as soon as he, sh- he shows up, you, you know, you know exactly who he is. You d- there's no mystery about him. Yeah. But he he comes in at a, uh, he has a really great entrance where he just tackles Bucky. Yeah, they have a really good fight. And the whole chase scene with him is uh is um, really great. And uh and basically where I was going with as far as saying that the story you don't know, like I was surprised where it went is the whole is the whole thing of okay, they discover this whole bunker where you think all these bodies of the winter soldiers are going to be reactivated turns out they're not as it turns out um there's like the real reason why tony stark's parents died yeah which i you know that was not something i expected going into this movie and yet handled so well because a set up in the opening of the movie it was actually set up in winter soldier how so Remember the part in Winter Soldier. All right, this is going to be a spoiler for Winter Soldier, but presumably you've seen it. Yeah. If you're at this point. When Captain America and Black Widow meet Zola in that bunker where he's just a computer now, Uh he's explaining what Hydra's been doing, and he's also explained that Hydra's been assassinating people. And one of the articles that pops up is the death of Stark's parents. Oh! 
Oh my I, god! How did I miss that? Yeah. I just watched that movie again. But wait, no. But it doesn't. Does it say though that it was Bucky? No. no. But I mean, so the, that he the was... implication is clearly that the Winter Soldier has been the one assassinating key figures in the world. Yeah. Now it's now you put two and two together. That's the conclusion you get. They didn't spell it out in Winter Soldier. And to be fair to, but it was very clear that Hydra orchestrated the death of the Stark. To be fair to Steve Rogers, it's got to be kind of difficult to have that sit down conversation with him though. Like with Tony Stark. Oh yeah. Because you got to think like, okay, uh, uh, so Tony, I was, uh, I happened to be in this bunker where uh, this old <laughs> Hydra g- guy on a computer popped up, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, your parents that, are dead. That's not happening. Yeah, I, I can't believe. You know what it is? Those articles go by so fast. I mean, that's based that that well, montage. You do have to be a little quicker. To, yeah, quick to I, but it. I should have spotted that. Good eye. Thank wow. you. I saw Winter Soldier 48 hours ago, <laughs> and I didn't pick up on that. So high five. Our our depth yes. perception is off, but that's a good point. Um, I didn't think about that because I was wondering. I'm sure that Captain America I, knew somehow, but that's yeah. Uh, they they, they planted this two movies ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's the benefit of having uh, the same directors working on, on yeah. the same films. And and yet what what works too is that you also totally get you know in that moment you know Tony can't really think oh well you know Hydra infiltrated Shield and they infiltrate everything no, and no, we're orchestrating he, all these deaths. He, he no, he's immediately like, you killed my mom. You're going down, Bucky. And that's another interesting thing. It's always like you killed my father. This time someone actually said you killed my mom. Yeah. Every time in a movie, it's always um, like, my father is dead. Uh, Magneto did the mother thing eh. in first class. That that was, you know, I guess so the two recent... Well, okay, you're right. Yeah. Um, but no, and then that moment, you totally get why Tony Stark would immediately want to kill him and also hates Captain America. Um, that, that's why That's why the final happen, fight happens. It's, it's really organic. That that fight, that, that little portion you see in the trailer with... Uh, you know, Stark, Captain America, and Bucky beating the crap out of each other. And that, you know what's got to happen because you've seen the trailer. You do kind of wonder, <laughs> okay, when is this happening? But by the time it does happen, you're feeling kind of emotional about it. I, and again, as Corey felt, lots of emotions. I cannot believe how well that worked. Because let's face it, wham, my parents are dead is the biggest cliche in in superhero movies. That's a that's an emotional well that every single superhero movie goes to over and over and over again. So frankly, I don't I almost don't think it should have worked as well as it did just because it's such a trope, but it worked spectacularly. I gasp in my seat when we see that grainy security footage of the Stark car crashing and I was totally gutted because it's so it's so cold and clinical the way that he's seeing it happen like how it oh, really man. did and also well unlike other deaths i mean it usually is my parents died when i was a kid now i go through turmoil and sadness and i come into batman here oh. though i mean he was like tony stark was already an adult and uh you know and then you know in the intervening years he takes over the stark empire and uh and you think about well Imagine if that hadn't happened. It's not like the parents died. It, it, this is the anti-Man of Steel Jonathan Kent yeah. scene. This isn't Jonathan Kent being like, no, 
don't save me. And the thing is, the, the, he, the, it's, he was completely powerless. I mean, the thing is, the fact has been that, you know, the Starks have been dead, you know, even before the chronology of these films. And it's always been something in background, which has only really been addressed in any way in it, Iron Man uh, 2. Uh, it, it's mentioned briefly in Iron Man 1, too. I mean, the... No, it, it is mentioned oh, yeah, no, Iron Man as 2. just the part of the plot. But, yeah, you know, Iron Man 2, Iron Man it is 2, part of it. Uh, Stark, you know, has to, has to come to some sort of... Uh, uh, yeah. Of what do you call it? Uh, terms with it with his father. Yeah, and I like that about uh, that. But movie. it's always been in the background, and Stark has never been about. Ooh, my parents died, or ooh, this is the thing. I but he's in such an emotional turmoil by the yes. end of this film that finally, when Zemo drops that bomb on him, his that the man responsible for his parents' death is in that room with him the, right there. The key difference it's, is that the death of his parents didn't define him. No, as a personality. You're, you're absolutely See, right. See, I can drop the big words too. All right. That was high five. Uh, see, I didn't even get. Away from me to high five. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We'll use it, our. I'll use my Scarlet Witch power. <laughs> there, Andrew is a conduit. Um, <laughs> and also, Robert Downey Jr. Like I said, he's so good in this movie. Like he really brought it. I mm. felt as an actor, uh, a lot I mean, of the he, actors really brought it. I and mean, he could still do. He could still quip, but he was still. He torn really up, dug really deep torn into up. the turmoil of this character on most on a lot of levels. And the thing is, yeah, the death of his parents doesn't define him, but he's gone through so much in this movie that by the time that comes, it's just, boom, eruption. And, and, and it comes on top of, you know, Rhodes, actually. Uh, oh, that too. Yeah, Rhodes gets, uh, well, that, I, I was, can I can up. I bring up a nitpick, or a couple nitpicks about this movie? Yeah, bring it. That's one of them. I thought he was dead. And I wish he. Uh, well, I don't wish, I wish he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you mean, though. Because no, but at that the end of that film, he, like, he's fine. Well, more or less, yes. He'll he'll heal. He'll be all right. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it took back its stakes a little. Yeah, bit. it took back its stakes. Like it, even if they had kept it at you know and that at was first my stake. at first you think that Rhodes <laughs> died in in this mission to try to catch up with Captain America fi flying the ship away. And then he falls down, and you think, oh my god, they killed Rhodes. Ooh, this is intense. Then they cut back, though, to, like, in a couple of scenes, and you find out, oh, he might be paralyzed. Okay, that's... Yeah, right, that, he, that's still he, dramatic. He is fully conscious inside of an MRI. They should have kept... They should have kept that, at least. But I then, but then, say that being paralyzed isn't a big deal. It's But just, the point is, know, is that the fact that you... There's a difference. The fact that you know that Rhodes will likely... I mean, he, if he doesn't come back in the next movie, he'll come back in other Avengers movies. Rhodes will be back. In, that that should have been... In Captain America that, 3, too. That could have been an extra stake on top of it. Now, maybe at that moment in the movie, Tony didn't know that well, he was going yeah. to live. So, okay, that's fine. But by the end of the movie, it's not as powerful. Yeah. Also, another here's another nitpick I want to bring up. Again, I'm still saying I love the movie. It's going to be one of my best of the year at the end of the year. Um... <laughs> Bucky's memory. All right. How how does that work? Because I thought that his it memory works. has been wiped so many times. It, it, how does he end up remembering everything near in like the last part of the movie? It works when the plot needs it to work. I don't like that. <laughs> I find that to be a little bit of a contrivance. Well, I think the thing you have to deal with is that who else were they going to get? I in terms of works workmanship and the script. Ultimately, I think you had to make that sacrifice. Does it mean it's good? No. But 
for the film to work, there had to be some sort. Of, he had to have some sort of memory just just to fill in the plot. I think that I I didn't think about it while I was watching the movie. It was more so after it. I think as I was driving home because in Winter Soldier, that was something that made that dynamic powerful. The fact that Bucky is this super uh, trained assassin who. You know, he's trying to remember little things and, you know, maybe there are little sparks going off, but then they wipe his memory again. You know, how many times do you have to get your memory wiped, you know, for it to stick? Yeah. I agree with you if you can try. The only thing I'll say is they address it a little bit where they say that the other Winter Soldiers are more barbaric even than Bucky, which leads you to believe maybe Bucky was the first one, so that's why he isn't as... Uh, maybe. I agree with you, though. Again, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't take away from Bucky being a compelling character. It's just something that... It was a little bit of a contrivance to make it so that, you know, in the last part of the movie, Rogers and Bucky can talk to one another, and you know that they're friends and... Yeah. Things are fine. Um, also, this is a minor thing, uh, but the uh, you know Peggy Carter dies in the early movie. It's a moment where you know uh, uh, you know Steve Rogers goes to the funeral and sees that oh this this character from the last movie is actually his her niece. Okay. Oh yeah, that was a neat little time. She gives a speech which. Oh, it was so on the nose. So on the nose. It was, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was basically spelling out to Steve Rogers in that moment. It might as well have been saying, she might as well, her speech might as well have been, Steve Rogers, don't do it. Don't sign. <laughs> like, she was basically saying that in so many words, and that was something that the rest of this movie felt above or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't felt feel the need to telegraph what you're saying, mm. if that makes sense. Um, again, a nitpick, but I feel like it's worth bringing up because, again, I don't want people to think that I think this is an absolutely perfect A++ movie. More just A+. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, folks, it's just A+. I don't know, were there any, were there any little things like that you noticed while watching the movie? I, uh, it's too soon for me to nitpick, nitpick because... You Every time I go to a theater, I'm overawed by the experience. Oh, no, no, me too. That <laughs> that happened a little bit more with this movie than others. Like, there are times, like, when I saw Batman Superman, I think you and I were both watching that movie and able to pick apart it as we were watching it. Now, I'm afraid right now I want to get into the Batman Superman connection. Uh, Captain America. Well, it's, impo- it's impossible it's to, well, it's impossible to avoid because, I mean, you know, that movie came out like six weeks ago and it's you almost want like Corey had the thought like she said this to me as i was driving home that this maybe not maybe the filmmakers not so much addressing the film so much as the film's reaction with man of steel and how civil war is addressing that how so yeah i very much i asked jack now i didn't know that this was a plot in the comic book when I was spinning this theory, because I watch all these movies, but I don't read the comics. Now, to me, this film seemed very much a response to the way audiences responded negatively to the movie Man of Steel. Yeah, and Man of Steel, like, the the, the total destruction of Metropolis, and, and yeah. the, the seemingly 
uh, the seemingly callous way in which the film treats, you know, basically just side characters. Exactly. And I, what I said to Jack was, and again, I said this without knowing that this is based on a 10-year-old comic plot, was, would this movie have existed if we didn't have such an interactive online fan base? Because really, when you're... A, when you're a writer or director involved in the Marvel Universe, you're engaged in an ongoing dialogue with your fan base. Because you mm. make a movie, you you see how audiences respond to that movie. And you see how audiences respond to other movies. So I felt like this movie was not only really great in its own right, but this movie felt like it touched on a lot of the things we in the audience say about superhero movies. It touches on things that critics say about superhero movies. Collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the concept of collateral damage, I'm sure, I mean, it's something I've thought about. It's something we all think about when we're watching these films. But to me, this felt kind of meta in how it addressed those comments you make about a movie afterwards when you're talking about it with your friends and stuff like that. There might be something to that. And to a certain extent, Batman versus Superman tried to do that because it was responding to basically its own, its own predecessor. And it was, you know, talking about, Oh, Superman is so powerful and he has no jurisdiction and he has, has no authority. And Batman's versus like the whole conflict was supposed to be about that but it completely misses the mark because it's much more interested in having uh, this sort of, this, uh, what is it? The word that begins with the C that contrived. There we go. Uh, <laughs> contraption. contraption. If you guys are going to do Batman vs. Superman comparison now, I will take my leave because I didn't see Batman vs. Superman. All right. Cause I have, don't want to hear about it. Cause I have self-respect. All right. All right. So Corey, thank well, you for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. We're more than welcome to abuse ourselves over it. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for coming on and giving yes. us our thoughts and yeah, we'll be sending I find your husband. High five, because I can't hug you from over here. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. See you later. I get out of here. All right. So, yeah, no, I I thought about that for sure. I mean, in in just the way of, you know, when we talk about, like Corey was talking about how we haven't, you know, it needs to earn it. Um, That was something I think I brought up in the Batman Superman review, which is something that the producer of all these movies, Kevin Feige, talks about. Which is the fact that when you earn something, that means that dramatically speaking, it's built up something. You've built up some dramatic heft. You've brought yeah. up. You you've built up chemistry. You've built up conflicts. You've built up uh, a whole world. And Batman and Superman didn't do that. No, they, they, I, all it had going for it beforehand was Man of Steel, which was a flawed no, movie, which was an extremely to be, flawed movie, which, which to be kind, it was a flawed movie. In reality, it was a mess, uh, kind of a mess. And then you right on the heels of that, you have Batman versus Superman, which is basically DC trying to catch up, playing the, the big playing the, the best Avengers card event card. Yeah, and and it just hasn't earned it yet because you know, Avengers had like, uh, had all of this build up of you know a few crappy movies like Captain America and the Incredible Hulk, but also some solid ones like and, Thor and uh, and the Iron and the two Iron Mans. The two I, Iron Men. I, I know I know I'm pointing my finger at you. I'm just I'm just wanting to. I have something immediately on my mind. I want to get off all my right, chest. Right. In this movie, so you have the scene where as you you know Tony Stark goes to Queens to pay a visit to uh, to, to Peter Parker. And they have this whole thing that they're talking about. Don't worry about that. It's fine. Um, 
they're they're you know, and he talk you know, and he it, it's revealed in their conversation. Oh, you're the spider thing, or he's not called Spider Man yet. Spiderling, the spider, <laughs> Spider Man, Spider, Spider Boy, Man Spider. I'm sure that exists in the comics. <laughs> um, and Matt Catania, where are you? But the point is, you have that scene where this new character is introduced, but you really introduce him. You get to see Aunt May, who, by the way, hottest Aunt May ever. Yeah. Oh I man, I won't argue. Marissa Tomei. It's like, <laughs> why do I want to? Why am I feeling all these? Funny feelings. Why about do I Aunt feel May? like I'm 12 again? <laughs> <laughs> My cousin Vinny, indeed. But they really. And it's but not you have even that until moment. the midway point where you introduce him. But they still introduce him. They take some time. It's not like it's in, them having a conversation. Unlike Batman Superman, where our introduction to Aquaman is through a little like what we call like an internet gif <laughs> it's through like a little five second thing where we see oh i'm aquaman like Stab. give me a break i know like after seeing how they did it in this how they introduced black panther and spider-man in a movie and make it work it just suddenly makes you realize yeah even though wonder woman was maybe one of the better things about uh batman superman yeah it's still it still you, feels she crammed in. You don't know her motivation. You don't know why she's there. You, you don't get any insight into her character. She's just there. And Cap and Civil War develops and gives motivations to 12 characters. <laughs> and yeah, it gives and, time for them. He And Batman versus Superman had only three. Yeah, you have three characters, and you just know enough Batman, about Batman. Batman, they did a good job with. Superman? No, kind of crappy. <laughs> got nothing. And Lois Lane's like, I have to go get this spear. I gotta throw it in the water. <laughs> and I know it sounds like we're picking Meanwhile, on this Jesse movie. Meanwhile, Jesse Eisenberg is just flailing around trying to distract you and saying, oh, look at the shiny performance. Ha, but ha, he's... Ha, ha, <laughs> look at the red capes are coming. Like... And, yeah. I, and I still will defend that guy. That is still a great performance. But it's a great it's, performance in a different movie. I know. It's not a good performance in that but, movie. But it's staggering because Civil War had so many characters. And even side characters we haven't mentioned. Like, aside from all the superheroes, there are a few other people sprinkled around who just who do great jobs. And still... Way better. Each it's, one of those characters a, was, earned a, a place in that film. It's a philosophically sound movie. If philosophically, that makes sense. Craft, it's craft is great. It's writing craft. Writing craft, yes. That's a good way of putting it. When you have a good fusion of ideas and story, then you get something like this. Yeah. When you don't, BVS. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I know it, sound, it sounds like we're almost kicking a puppy. Like we're kicking somebody down who... You know, we might have criticized that movie enough, but you know, you had years to get this movie right. Yeah, and and it's not like and it's not like Batman versus Superman is totally helpless. No, you know, we're talking about you know another giant production, I, and the comparisons are inevitable because it's it, hard it, not it, to think about if it's hard not to think about it when a it's so on the heels of this. I mean, Batman Superman's still in theaters. And uh, I guess it's been successful, mo relatively. Box Not office as successful wise. as they expected. No, they expected a billion. It, it didn't made, get to a billion. It, it made its money back. I oh, suppose. sure. No, no. It is. It's a hit, but it's not like they wanted Avengers numbers, and they didn't no, get that. They didn't get that. They they, they, they got a little they got a little it. greedy. They yeah. got a little greedy. Um, 
So, yeah, and it's hard not to think about that. That's why I said I also tried to think about another movie. Like I said, Last Stand, this also feels like a, a criticism of that movie. Uh, so if you ever see that, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. Because mm. um, that also involved mutant... It was about the Mutant Registration Act. Right. So that was like, you know, we need to keep track of all these mutants. And that's where you get the different factions. But that felt very rushed. Right. Um, so I don't know. One thing, though, like I said, I... I'm curious where they'll go from here. Well, the Russos franchise. are writing the Infinity War. Well, while they're writing, while they're directing it, there are other writers involved. There are other involved, but but they are working on Infinity War. I believe they are. It might actually have a different title, by well, the way. I don't know. We're gonna we call know it Infinity. Infinity it War. involves Thanos, and I assume it involves him coming to Earth and causing mass destruction. Matt Catania, you can yell at Jack when you get when you see him next time. Anyway, but it's gonna. What, regardless of what the future holds, I mean, the Russos just did a fantastic job with it. They have a really good for, grip on like, taking characters and stories that we've seen before and building on them. I mean, I was also telling Corey, in a way, this is a little bit akin to what they do in television, where, again, if you have it built up over a number of years, by the time you get to like season six or seven... Yeah. There are really big dramatic things happening, then you know exactly what's going on. Right. Um, again, this is a movie series, so uh, again, even though you have to see well, cinema, all the other movies... Cinema is learning a, a trick or two from television. A little bit? I mean, granted, I know that... It, I mean, it's funny that I know a little while back we did our you know monster movie podcast. Right. I imagine the Godzilla series... Maybe have they? Did they ever attempt something like this, where they have like a mass continuity? Like, do I need to see other Godzilla movies in order to get like Terror of Mecha Godzilla? Not really. No. <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's a new Godzilla film coming out, right? Yeah. Nice. I did I watch the trailer for that? Maybe. That's the it's in it's it's in Japan though. Right. It might get a U.S. release. That's 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 the interesting thing. There are prob I want there must be Godzilla movies that haven't come out in the U.S. yet, right? No, they've all come out. There hasn't been an, a Godzilla film for a while. Um, in fi Japan. Yeah, Final Wars was the last one, and that was uh, quite a while. ago. That was like ten years ago or something. Yeah. But we're getting off track. The point is, uh, Civil War is really fantastic. Uh, you know, again a very. Better than expected villain, much higher stakes. I'd almost say it's it again. It's funny that they mentioned the Empire Strikes Back because this almost has that epic feel to it. The, the trouble is, it's hard to tell what this is a sequel to. I, it's a sequel to like all the. I, movies. I feel tempted to call this like Avengers Three. It might as well have been. Well, I was gonna say, even though it's called Captain America: Civil War, I mean. Yeah, in a way, it is Captain America's story, but it's also Tony Stark's story. Yeah, like this, well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely like, right. Like I think that they both have strong arcs here. Now, granted, Captain America, he has a little bit more of the uh, emotional connection because of Bucky, uh, but um, but you need both those characters there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. It's a it's a it's masterfully done like popcorn movie. It is. It's better. It it feels like the culmination of like of like Corey said of a, 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 an ongoing process which has been going on ever since Iron Man. Yeah, I mean the, Iron where, Man. Iron Man might. I'm I'm still debating whether I like this or Iron Man more because the first Iron Man was so incredible. I just think that. 
fight that big superhero brawl is one of the is just one of the greatest scenes we've had in this entire series. That's like a it's 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 like getting to if if you're a little kid and you have this great big battle that you have with your action figures, <laughs> but played out with three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and the likes of Paul Rudd and uh, Don Cheadle in your midst and all these other people. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there must be at least over a dozen characters in that sequence. Yeah. And you know where everyone is uh when the fight's going on like every you uh you know there there is there's momentum that builds from one thing to the next. Yeah. Um I don't know what else to say about it. Any last words? Go see it. Yeah, go go, go see it and tell your friends that it's a great movie and don't tell them anything that, else. That it's got a lot of great action. It will be the fulfillment of your Marvel dreams. Yes. Uh, for some of you, it may be a Marvel wet dream. <laughs> I am dead from making puns. Um, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Like I, I had the thought when that airport sequence finished of, uh, of just like a geek sitting at their computer. Like I, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> so if you agree with us, uh, you could send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Or tell us that we're wrong. Uh, you could also send an email to we Wages of Cinema. Conflict. Wages of Cinema at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. You could listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, and please subscribe to us. Uh, you know, everything helps. Um, and when we come back, we'll have another full episode of The Wages of Cinema where we'll talk about lots of new movies that we've watched. And we hope to see, hear you there. All right. And I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And remember, the wages of cinema is the vision. Death. Vision death. I'm sorry, Tommy. You know I wouldn't do this if I had any other choice. But he's my friend. So was I. <laughs>